if you're an aspiring like influencer or a writer or somebody who wants to get hired for like your talents, your blog can also serve as a resume in that way. When I first got a freelance writing gig, my first freelance writing gig for Next Advisor, which is associated with Time Magazine, they asked me to give them an example of my writing style and I could send them links to my blog. I didn't have to go and create some freaking write up and exhaust myself and creating something, you know, with no experience in writing. I'm like, look, I have a whole portfolio of shit I've already talked about. So go and check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Carried Away. Joining me today is Janice Torres of the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. She not only is a podcaster, she's a speaker, a business and money coach, and freaking fabulous. Um, she is passionate about educating Latinx and BIPOC communities to understand the powerful ways money can be used to manifest the life of your dreams, create multi-generational wealth, and give provide you with financial freedom, and most importantly, independence. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's such an honor to be here with you. Oh, I'm just glad to be in the same, sharing the same space with you again. If you didn't know, if you, listener, uh, Janice was one of our featured speakers at the Wealthy Women Summit. You closed the summit with so much knowledge and takeaway. Just when you thought people were like, they're done, they're like perked right back up. Um, <laughs> so thank you, of course, for being a part of my summit. It was how we met. I literally Googled, SEO'd you like crazy, trying to find a Latinx woman who was in passive income that got it. And you were one of the first that popped up. So yay. Wow. That means SEO works. <laughs> what? <laughs> but before we dive in to um, all the things you're doing, which are incredible, especially around um, getting more money in the hands of marginalized communities, if I would ask 10-year-old Janice what she wanted to be when she grew up, would she have said, I want to create financial freedom and independence? Mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> I would have told you I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh. That was a very sexy career. I always was like a science nerd since I was a kid. I was always the kid winning like first place at the science fairs. My dad definitely facilitated that happening because he's also a science nerd. Uh, but yeah, I always knew it was going to be something in STEM because I just, I've always been a super curious person. And even as a kid, I always wanted to understand how things work. Uh, the origin story of like, why does this exist? Who invented this? So I think now as an entrepreneur, that love of creativity and that love of like figuring out a solution where there is none was my destiny. I just didn't actually know how to put the pieces together because I didn't even know entrepreneurship was a word until much later in life. True. True. So true. You know, I used to teach science to sixth grade. Really? I don't know. Oh my gosh. That. I yeah. love science teachers. Y'all yeah. are the MVPs of public education. Oh, uh, Thank you. They absolutely are. <laughs> and I, I taught earth science. I like you, I'm a science nerd. I grew up with science. I was really into space. I worked at space camp, you know, in college. And so on my honeymoon, I forced my husband to go to the forest. We went to the big Island in Hawaii because there's two active volcanoes and I made him take every tour. I took all these photos. <laughs> I was like, Oh, cool. That's so good. <laughs> But you, like me, I would call a seeker, um, mm -hmm. someone who's like got it ingrained in their and you know in their soul 
that their curiosity and their intelligence when they come together, they're a seeker. And I bet people seek you out for your expertise. Um, <laughs> so tell us about, so marine biology didn't work out. Yeah. Bye to the whales. Um, yeah. What led you to where you are today? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in a household that was very much fostering that curiosity um, aspect of my personality, but I also grew up in a household that was Latino. I am Puerto Rican. My parents were high school sweethearts that came to the mainland America. It's like, I, I tell them all the time. I'm like, you guys need a lifetime movie. It's so cute. Um, and so they came it. over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, they came over to the mainland in the 80s, settled originally in Virginia Beach because my dad was in the military. And then after that, they ended up in New Jersey. And that's where I was born and my sister. And the two of us, you know, we were raised very traditionally Latino. The mission was clear. Go to school, get good grades. We don't get do A minuses here. Like I was very much like, girl, you better have straight A's or you're going to have to explain this. And I think as a kid, you know, I was always naturally curious, like I mentioned. So I was never a struggling student. I was always just like, you know, I was in gifted and talented and like doing all the performing arts. I played the violin. I played the harp. I was doing all these things that now that I look at other folks in my community, I'm like, oh, wow, girl, you were hella privileged. Like your parents were absolutely like feeding you what they could on a public school budget when it comes to just, you know, expanding your mind. And another perk too of how I grew up was my father was a consultant. And so he traveled a lot and I got to be exposed to tons of travel as a kid. So I got to see like, there's this whole expansive world out here. It's not just about the little block I grew up in. It's not just about the people in my immediate circle. So I always had like a very expansive mind. Um, which was kind of in conflict with a lot of the messaging that I was getting from home, which is just like follow this very prescriptive narrative of like what life should look like. So got the good grades, got a full scholarship to college. I was originally going to be a medical student because I was, you know, as a Latino, you get three career choices. It's like doctor, lawyer, engineer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, my dad's an engineer. Eh, looks okay. But I think doctor sounds sexy. Like I feel like those people make a lot of money. And so I started as a pre-med student by my junior year. I was so burnt out that I'm like, I literally cannot stomach the idea of being in medical school for another four years, then doing another oh. four to eight year residency and not making any money until I'm like 35. Can't do it. Not doing it. So I graduated with a degree in molecular biology and chemistry. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I do with this besides become a doctor? Wait a minute. Now, wait luckily, a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Hold up. <laughs> Molecular biology and chemistry? Yes. How many women were in that program? Oh, God. Uh, it was probably like a 80-20 ratio male. Uh, okay, I just want to make sure I heard sure. that correctly and that everyone mm -hmm. recognizes. Yes. Molecular biology and chemistry. Yes. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Because <laughs> medical school is just not, I'm not doing it. Um, and so I, you know, luckily enough, grew up in New Jersey. And New Jersey is a really big pharmaceutical and medical device hub of the United States. So I was able to get a job in a cancer therapeutics company. Then I worked for a brief stint in medical devices for like reconstructive surgery. 
Then I worked in uh, consumer goods companies like L'Oreal, Johnson & Johnson. So I was like in this whole trajectory of, you know, really climbing up the corporate ladder and using my degree, which I also think is a privilege because there are a lot of people who go to school and they literally don't use anything that they learned in school. Um, so I, I had a very, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what? I had I a very clear you, path, you know right? What? Yeah. You know what you learn to me, the biggest thing I learned in college that I probably still use is how to navigate a system. Mm-hmm. How to get what you want, how to like, okay, I didn't get in this class. How did I, how do I, you navigate, right? Yeah. I got my degree in social work. I am not doing that. <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah. You got to test things out. And for some reason too, I had like this, I think it was maybe it's like ADHD. I don't know. I was always like bored after a couple of years with work. So I was consistently job hopping, which I realized was really helping me earn a lot more money, like faster. So nice. now it's called like, you know, hacking your career. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like I was doing this before I even know it was a thing. So, you know, I found myself in my late twenties at that point, I had gotten a master's degree in biotech because I really had convinced myself, like, I'm going to work in this industry forever. So like, let me get a master's degree. I had my job pay for part of it through tuition reimbursement. And it was like, I was pretty sold into the idea that I was going to do this until 65. And then I'm 27 years old, just graduated with my master's and in the throes of like a quarter life crisis. Sure. I was finding myself unable to like get out of bed to go to work. I'm like depressed, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, why am I depressed? Like externally, all of these things that I've accomplished, these degrees, this career, this is the shit everybody told me was supposed to make me happy. So like, where is the disconnect? Yeah. And, you know, lo and behold, when you go on Google and you start typing in like, how do you quit your job? things start to pop up. The algorithm starts to feed you alternative ideas. And so I found out about uh, financial independence. I found out about entrepreneurship. I found out about people doing side hustles and tapping into their creative skills and turning it into a business. And so when I started to think about what that would look like for me, I landed on food. Like I am a foodie and I know we've talked about this, like we'll travel for food Uh, there is no restaurant. I will not try. There is no cuisine. I'm afraid of like, I will literally go to a place just to eat. Um, and so it felt very natural to me to like, okay, this is the thing like I'm obsessed with, but like, how do I turn this into a career that doesn't involve me quitting my six figure job, going to like culinary school, spending $50,000 on a diploma to then make like $10 an hour in a restaurant. Didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how can I do this with location independence, with the internet? And I found out about the world of blogging. And so blogging for me was my tiptoe into entrepreneurship. And now I've been at this online content creation business thing for almost 10 years. And I cannot believe it. It all started with an idea of like, I don't want to do what everybody's telling me to do. I'm miserable here. I got to figure something else out. I love that. Do you remember by any chance that very first blog that you, what it was about and yes. that went live and how much you would hold your breath? Is anybody reading this? Yes. What was your first I blog about? I did a pineapple that was carved out and stuffed with guacamole. 
And I was at my parents' house. Like we were doing, I think it was like Cinco de Mayo around that time. I believe I launched the blog like April 29th. And so we were doing like a Cinco de Mayo party. And I was like, okay, this sounds like a cool recipe. So I took pictures on it with like an iPhone five or something. Like I look back at that post and I'm like, oh my God, these pictures are so crazy. But I also don't want to change it because I'm like, this is a historical mark in in my life. Yeah. And so I always go back to that post to like, look at it and be like, girl, we have glowed up. Big time, big time. <laughs> so after the blog, you house, uh, so you, you hit launch dollars yeah. come flying in, right? Just immediately. <laughs> you're just like, Oh, I have to put my close my door. There's so much money coming in everywhere. How, yeah, no. how much more did you were like, Oh, I started seeing traction. When did you like start seeing like, she make money doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that people were turning this into a business and uh, Reed Drummond, the pioneer woman who was like literally all over Walmart, the Food Network, et cetera. She was in the you know beginning stages of her business and I was following her journey and I was like, yo, this lady's literally like doing what I want to do. And so even as a content creator, like I was copying her style. I was like doing the step-by-step photos instead of just doing like the pretty picture at the end of what the final recipe looks like. I learned how to structure content literally by copying what she was doing. Cause I'm like, she looks like she knows what she's doing. So that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, about six months after I started the blog, I actually ended up getting laid off from my engineering job. And so they gave me a 12, uh, $12,000 severance check. And they were like, be on your merry way, pack your shit. I'm like, okay, well, that was not part of the plan. But now looking back at it, I'm like, that was actually the spark that I needed to have space to really investigate this more thoroughly, to have all the time in the world. So I took those three months that I could afford to not go back to work. And I went to New York City. I took a food blogging course at a local culinary school. And I met also another blogger who had turned her passion for cooking into a career. She was writing a cookbook. She's doing these brand deal. She's on YouTube. She's doing TV. And I'm like, oh my God, there's something here. Like, this is not a fantasy. There are people like real life people that I can look at and see, and they're giving me the blueprint. So what am I going to do with this? And so I got home from that class and it was like, this is what we're doing. I was spending hours creating content, figuring out how to style food. Cause it's not like you put it on a paper plate and like, that's right. going to go viral. It's not going right. to go viral. Maybe it'll go viral now. Cause I feel like TikTok just loves like trash content, oh, totally, but like back totally. in the day, you know, you had to be like better homes and gardens quality in order yes. for your blog to take off. And so I literally had to teach myself how to use like a high definition DSLR camera, how to light, how to style, how to capture all of this stuff and create content and do social and SEO and all these things. And I became obsessed. You know, I always talk to entrepreneurs. It's like, what was the key characteristic that really helped you launch and create a successful business? And it was like, it's because I was obsessed in success. Like I, there was not an option to fail. I was going to read every single book I had to read. I was going to sign up for every program I had to sign up. I was going to do everything and try everything until it worked. And I was absolutely like manic about it. So yeah, (laughs) nothing going to, you know, after those three months, I had to go back to work, but I got a taste of what entrepreneurship could look like and what like a full-time content creation career could look like. And I was hooked from there. And then I think it was, you know, maybe a couple months after going back to work that I had my first 
post go viral on Facebook back when like you didn't have to pay for Facebook ads. It was, like, oh yeah, such I a magical time. Days. Yeah. Yeah. Such a magical time back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And you, you could literally go virally organic by like joining different Facebook groups that were related to your niche and just posting in there. So I was part of a couple of Facebook groups that were catered to folks who were looking for recipe ideas. And I posted in there and my blog actually crashed because of the viral content. Like oh, wow. it went crazy. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, I got to study this. What was it about this recipe? And then I tried another one and then another one went viral and then another one went viral. And next thing you know, I have like a hundred thousand monthly views on my blog and I'm making like thousands of dollars a month in passive income because there's just so many people coming to the website. And uh, I have never looked back since then. Like it's wow. Mm -hmm. When did you quit the job? When were you like, peace out? (laughs) Yeah. It took a while. It, it yeah. took a while. And I will say that, you know, my first two years of doing this, it, it really wasn't like a lot of financial gain, but what I was gaining was knowledge, was experience, was, um, you know, the traffic was building slowly. And I started to look at brand partnerships. So I got to get experience working as a content creator, doing sponsored content. I started learning about affiliate marketing and started putting that in place in my blog. So, you know, by the time that I actually started monetizing, it was about solid two years into the journey and it started to grow exponentially, like year over year, right? You first year made like a couple thousand dollars. Then the next year it was like 10,000, then 25,000, then 46. So it started to really show that like, okay, there's something here you're doing something right. Like keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. And what I learned in that process too, because I didn't have a clear niche in the beginning is people were really resonating with my Latin themed content, especially like Puerto Rican recipes. And, you know, now understanding how important it is to have a niche, how important it is to do market research and figure out like what communities are not being served. I realized Puerto Rican food was really hard to find on the internet, like recipe wise, Mm -hmm. because we literally only have like one major cookbook as a culture. And the book was written like in the 1970s. Oh, wow. Well, like my mom has a copy that's like 45 years old. And, you know, it's like the thing that you get passed on to because there's literally no other book. Um, And so there wasn't a lot of people blogging about Puerto Rican food. I could find maybe maybe like two two others. And so I knew the audience was there, right? There's like 10 million Puerto Ricans in the world. (laughs) We all need these recipes. (laughs) And, you know, the funny thing too, if you know anything about like, Latin culture, nobody writes things down. So if you don't have like the actual experience of standing next to your grandma and learning how to make this recipe, you grow up, you move across the country, across the world, how the hell are you going to make this? Right. And so what I found is like, people were really looking to reconnect with their family roots and their heritage and their culture and the food, and they didn't have a resource for it. So I started to become that resource. And the more that I created content that way, the more that I saw the consistency and the growth of the platform and income was coming in and partnerships were becoming more lucrative. And so by the time I quit my job, I had started a second business, which is now Yo Quiero Dinero with a primary business that I work on now. And, you know, folks are always just like, how the hell did you go from food blogger to personal finance podcaster to now you're writing a book? And I'm just like, girl, if I could explain this shit to you, I could, I would, but it's a little non-linear, which is true about most entrepreneurship. It's very much like, it's not a straight line. It's all over the place. And you're trying to throw things at the wall until you find out what sticks. So, you know, after doing the blog for like five years, I was like, I, I feel like there's something else in me. Like, this is not the end of it. This is just the beginning. And I was at that point listening to a ton of podcasts 
and really becoming like obsessed with the financial independence movement. Because by that time I was like over the age of 30, I'm like, I need to get the hell out of this corporate career. Like I'm tired. Um, and so learning about financial independence was like the next obsession, right? First, it was like, let me find something creative to do around food. That was the first obsession. Then it's like, how the hell do I quit my job? That's the second obsession. So I started learning about, you know, how to become debt free, how to make passive income, how to start investing for financial independence, all these things. And then after becoming a consumer of podcasts for years, I couldn't find somebody like me. I couldn't find a Latina who was like curating a space to have these discussions. It was still a lot of white guys talking about oh, money. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's great. Like, but it doesn't resonate. Like yeah. it's just not enough. And so, you know, I think back to me being a super creative person who like was basically trained on how to find solutions to problems, not only as like a curious kid um, in my household, but also as an engineer. And I created the podcast because it was like, the problem was there was not anybody talking about money in the Latina community. And the solution was going to be the podcast. And I had no idea how the hell to launch a podcast, no idea how to monetize it, no idea how to get people to listen to this. I literally downloaded an app on my phone and started talking to it, sat in the closet. And I was like, I guess this is useful. Let's see if anybody listens. Let me show up on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, let me show up on Instagram and see like, anybody wants to talk about this stuff. Cause nobody in my friends and family circle wants to talk about money. They're like, you're fucking weird. This is weird. Yeah. Um, and like strangers on the internet started listening and reaching out and like, oh my God, this is the first time I've heard a Latina talking about money. Like what? And here we are with another business that again, leans into my identity as a Latina, as a content creator, as somebody who just like wants to connect people, right? Yeah. Like I think about like, what are the common things that my businesses have in common? It's like, well, first it's identity-based because it's like, how the hell do I show up in the world? I'm Latina more than anything. If somebody asked me, what am I? I'm Latina. And then secondly, I am someone who wants to just like create content for connection purposes, whether that is uh, reminding you of your abuela's recipe, or that is like, you know, having a first generation discussion on how stressful it is to try to invest for yourself, but also invest for your freaking family who doesn't have any investments and how the hell are we supposed to do this? Right. And, you know, it's, it's wild. What happens when you just start showing up for a community that it's, is it's hungering so true. for that? It's, it's so true. And you really have described that once you climb one mountain, you're not at the top. You're actually at the bottom of another mountain. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so you, your trajectory is really a perfect example of you are surrounded by mountaintops. You are looking <laughs> down on all the mountains you've already climbed. Um, and every time you achieve one, you're like, okay, where's the new mountain? Um, and I think that's unbelievably impressive. So many people get to are, are like the top and they're like, I'm done. And you're like, no, 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 you're not though. You keep looking for the next mountain, which I really I like my overachiever, you know, type yeah. A self for that, that which that can be kind of toxic. So, you know, and it's kind of like you're now, you know, moving, transitioning from blog to podcast to now content creator. And you talked about how the recipes in Puerto Rican culture are passed from Abelita to their little tiny little cooking right next to you, right? Or your yes. aunts or your tias and, and everything. But you mm -hmm. were kind of the abuelita on yeah. the side showing everyone how to become a content creator, how to create the passive income because it's not out there and it's very hard <laughs> no. to find. And I feel like the people that do have it, they don't like to talk about it. They think they have some big yeah. secret and they're like, no, mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you how I did that. 
mm-hmm. where you, even if you go to your website, which PS, you have a beautiful website and <laughs> everyone you. needs to go to it. <laughs> and it's, you make it very straightforward. Affiliates work with me podcast about like, I love this, the easy, like navigation of it. I think that's brilliant, but it also shows that you're like, I'm here. Take mm-hmm. the information. I'm not high. You don't have to spend a hundred thousand dollars to hire me as a coach. You can. <laughs> you may in the future. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> here are some immediate resources, which I think is really says a lot to how what you were saying about how you like to cultivate the community, keep mm-hmm. the conversation going. That's a perfect example of that. Um, you're not hiding information embedded into like a 12 week coaching program or anything like that, which I think is unfortunate for bloggers who are just starting now. Mm -hmm. I think from when you started and from what's happened now, they are inundated with, by my coaching practice, you have to have all of these, you know, social media outlets. You have to hire a social media content creator manager. You have to have a photographer. You have to have this, if knowing how blogs have changed over the years since you started, what's, what advice would you to give someone who's listening, who's like, get start a blog? What mm-hmm. would you say to them? Well, first and foremost, uh, when you talked about the fact that you were able to Google me and find me, that's a direct result of the fact that I have a blog. Okay. Like let's not beat around the bush. When folks are 100%. looking for information, <laughs> they go on google.com. Of course, it's just where you need to be. You know, mm-hmm. it's nice if you have social, it's nice if you have a podcast, whatever. But if like nobody can actually find you on the internet, which is still like, you know, web two, I'm not talking about like web three in the metaverse. We'll see what the hell <laughs> blogs look like in that world. But right in the normal world where we still have regular old internet, that is how you get found. It's about the searchability, right? So the thing for me that I get so frustrated about when I see folks who are just like, you don't need a blog. I'm like, um, you're really going to be out here trusting Meta to not shut down your Facebook and Instagram account or TikTok or 100%. YouTube or whatever the hell. Like putting all your eggs in that social media basket is so toxic and terrible and such a bad like long-term strategy for your business. And I have content creator friends and business owners right now who are locked out of their accounts in the middle of a launch. And it's just like, what? That's crisis mode, you know? And so when we think about why you need to have a blog, first of all, a blog is a website. Like let's call it what it is. It is just a website that gets regularly updated with new content. So that is where you can go and like teach folks about something, update them about something. It's a living website versus something that's static that just has like a menu of your options to work with you, but doesn't actually get updated with like other content, right? So it serves as your headquarters for your business. It's the thing that you own. Social media is rented space and it can shut down whenever you want. Your blog is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. It's your home base on the internet. That's number one. Number two, especially if you are an aspiring coach, content creator, thought leader, expert, your blog is supposed to serve as your knowledge pool so that people can find out like, what the hell do you know about? What do you teach about? Who are you? What are your values? What's your area of expertise? Who have you worked with? Where have you been featured in the media? Like it's your digital resume. It's where people go and find out about you. Cause you know, you could do a cute little like 30 second TikTok or 30 second reel and tell people about yourself, but you can't get the whole story there, right? You need long form content and long form content is where you really get to have folks dive into your story. 
you know, and then another thing too, is it's where you will set up your email marketing strategy. So how do you get folks into the funnels? Where are they going to go to actually like join your mailing list or find out about what you have going on? You know, yeah, you can do that. You know, you can put a little like email subscription thing in your social media, but like, that's not enough. In my opinion, you really need that home base. And if you're an aspiring like influencer or a writer or somebody who wants to get hired for like your talents, your blog can also serve as a resume in that way. When I first got a freelance writing gig, my first freelance writing gig for Next Advisor, which is associated with Time Magazine, they asked me to give them an example of my writing style and I could send them links to my blog. I didn't have to go and create some freaking write-up and exhaust myself and creating <laughs> right. something, you know, with no experience in writing. I'm like, look, I have a whole portfolio of shit I've already talked about. So go and check it out. And I was able to get, um, you know, now I'm also a freelance writer for a lot of like major media art, uh, news outlets. And that all started because I have proof of what I'm creating and I have already, shown folks what I'm capable of from a content creation standpoint. So, I mean, the, the list of reasons goes on and on, but at the end of the day, it's really about owning your presence online, improving your searchability, having that digital resume of your thought leadership and having a place for folks to be able to go and work with you and like ask all the questions and find out all the details and host your landing pages and all the things. Yeah, I agree. I think also, um, anyone starting out, you know, they get intimidated by someone who has 5,000 followers or a hundred thousand followers, and they're doing the same thing they're doing. But if Instagram and Facebook all, you know, just died today, if you don't have an email list, you got nothing. You got so nothing, honey. You really can't reach out to anybody um, because yeah. you can't, you're not going to reach to people in a post. And I recently read that email still converts higher than any other form of marketing. People still I was just in my inbox the other day and I was like, I do need those shoes. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> For me, it, I've realized, you know, the power of email time and time again during launches, you know, when you're trying to have folks come to your events and when you're just trying to have like a, a group of people who are like hella invested in your business that you know, when somebody gives you their email address, it's like them inviting you into their digital home. Like yep. you can go and like talk to them in their house on the internet at all times. You just pop in and be like, Hey, what's up? I want yeah. you to know about this there. You can't do that on social media. You hope that like five to 10% of the people that are in your following ever see your content because of the way the algorithm works. And it's just not enough. You know, you need that really the ability to be like super high touch and establish like a nurturing long lasting relationship. And that's what email marketing does. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're, you also have the podcast to back up you as an expert and expertise. Mm -hmm. Do you have guests? I, the one episode I, I listened do. to, yeah, I had a guest on it. Yeah. Okay. It's primarily guest oriented. And you know, the reason why is because of what you were talking about before with this whole like gatekeeping of personal finance, especially it's been such a mysterious world about like, how do people get rich out here? Like what's going on in wall street? What is investing? What is, you know, email marketing, what is entrepreneurship? And I just really wanted not only to be the singular voice of like what it looks like to create wealth in the community that I'm a part of, but I also wanted other people to realize there's a lot of really badass people who are people of color, marginalized communities, LGBTQ, like we're kicking ass, but we're not on CNBC. We're no. not on freaking Squawk Box, right? Like we 
are doing amazing things, but we don't have the platforms. And so part of my responsibility, I think, as someone who's now become like a leader in the space is to continue to normalize what wealth looks like. And that's by introducing folks to people who are doing amazing things, but are just like ordinary folks. They're not freaking celebrities. And that's the thing too. I think for so many people, like, especially when you're Latino, I grew up thinking like you have to be JLo to be rich. Jennifer you know, you got to sing and dance and shake mm-hmm. your ass. And like, that's the only talents that we have to exchange. Like, it's all about or the play physical. baseball. <laughs> right. It's like, you're going to be a sports person or you're going to be a singer. And I'm like, that can't be it. So, you know, I'm like, I want there to be the Warren Buffett's of the world who are also Latinx and that we know about them and that it's normal to be a millionaire and not be fucking famous. I agree. I love <laughs> everything you're saying right now so much, especially for um, women, you know, for yeah. Latinas out there that are listening, because that you, to me, you were just saying how you were like, you have to get all A's, you have to have go straight to college, do all the things, be professional. One thing you didn't mention is get married and have babies. You know, because that yeah. also is very typical for that culture, get married and have babies and go to church and everything. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really foster a lot of independence in women. So it's really, mm-hmm. to me, very inspiring how your parents pushed education on you and really got you to be, see that. And you probably were all bouncing off the walls if you were this curious. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you yes, absolutely. So I was always getting in trouble. Um, <laughs> my mom always retells the story of when I was like, I think it was like nine and my sister and I shared a room still. And there was a bunk bed on one side of the wall and there was like a dresser on the other side of the wall. And for that, for some reason that day, I woke up and said, I would like to have a hammock in my bedroom. Like, I feel like that feels luxurious. So I grabbed a blanket and I tied one end to the bunk bed and I tied the other end to the dresser, the dresser drawer. Oh no. (laughs) And so I hopped in, I was good. Like it was this, it was structurally sound (laughs) until my sister. (laughs) Yes. It was structurally sound until my sister decided that she got jealous and she wanted to hop into the hammock too. And the cabinet proceeded to fall and basically fall on us. Meanwhile, my mom's downstairs. She hears us screaming. She runs upstairs. She's like, oh my God, you're literally going to kill your sister with your stupidity. And um, that was the last time I did that. But that's just one of many incidents where my curiosity got the best. Yeah, she's like, go practice your harp. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Your poor mother. Make sure you call Yeah, her. I, I tell her, I'm yeah. like, I understand the gray hairs. They were all me. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Now, what would you recommend for a Latina or any marginalized woman or LGBTQ? Because you know, as I do, there is no funding that goes to women owned mm-hmm. businesses, still less than two to 3%. And as you know, I'm on the, the, just the mission and pathway to change all of that by creating female founders to becoming female funders. I'm no longer mm-hmm. waiting for the big white guys to say, okay, I'll give you some money. Forget it. We're going to have to yeah. do it. Um, what would you recommend to someone who's listening to this? And it's just like, Oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? Do I do it? I'm not smart enough. They deal <laughs> with the imposter syndrome. Like what's going to be the thing that pushes them. Yeah. 
Oh gosh. I mean, how long do we have? Because honestly, like, I feel like I could talk about this forever, but okay. So the first thing I would say is that the internet has democratized entrepreneurship and has made it more accessible than ever. So whereas in the past you had to have a rich uncle or a trust fund or a really good credit score to get a hundred thousand dollars to like start a business. Entrepreneurship has literally become like so accessible that you can start for free. I started my podcast for free using my existing cell phone and, uh, you know, some ingenuity when it comes to like finding free trial softwares that I could use for like editing a podcast. Oh, I did that too. Right. (laughs) All the free trials. I'm like, I'm going to create all the email addresses so I can just milk this free trial forever. So there is, there are lots of free and low cost tools out there on the internet for you to start a business. Social media is free from a marketing perspective. So that's that. Um, there's even even marketing platforms like MailerLite.com, which is my preferred um, email marketing platform, lets you have a free account up to a thousand subscribers. So like you can even start testing out email marketing and see how that works. Do it. Um, so yeah, and you know the the idea of entrepreneurship for me growing up was like somebody who owns a nail salon or drives a taxi Same. or like owns yeah. a store, you know, mm-hmm. La Bodega or whatever. But that's not the only version that there is. You can actually sell your skills. And so that's what I specialize in. I specialize in helping people figure out like, how can I take my corporate skills, my personal skills, the things I'm really good at and turn them into a service-based business. So let's take a couple examples. Let's say you're a nurse who specializes in pediatrics and you're like, I'm tired of this hospital life, you know, especially after COVID shout out to the nurses because Lord knows y'all were doing God's work. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I want to turn this into a business where I work for myself. I can still use my skills, but in a different way, you could decide to become a doula. Like there's so many women out there who are looking to not have their babies at a, a hospital you know, especially women of color. And we can talk to Rachel Rogers about this because she talks all about this, that, you know, the medical establishment does not treat women of color moms, you know, with any kind of respect. There's a lot of like dismissing your experiences, your pain and all these things, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of people are opting into home births. They need a professional on site. And if you have that expertise where you know how to deal with labor and delivery, you're specialized, let's say in like the NICU. So you can deal with like a critical situation with a preemie or something. That's high value skills that you don't need to sell to uh, an employer. That is something you can sell directly to a consumer, right? So that's one thing to to consider. How can you take out the middleman, which is your corporate job, and sell that skill direct to the consumer and still help them have a successful outcome, whatever that outcome is? Teachers. I talk to so many teachers because naturally my audience is primarily women and teachers are just like, oh my God, what the hell am I supposed to do? I'm tired of being a teacher. I don't want to do this anymore. The skill of teaching can be applied to so many different things, right? You could become a corporate trainer that you get hired as a consultant to like train folks on this new like policy that a company is going to institute, or you become a coach where you start teaching money or career or whatever Spanish, right? The skill of teaching is universally applicable to adults, children, anybody. And with the power of the internet, with things like zoom, with things like digital courses, with, you know, coaching, I mean, you could, your possibilities are absolutely limitless. It's just like, find out the new thing that you want to teach. You don't want to teach like, you know, preschool math. You're going to go and teach adults about money. Yeah. It's also Um, um, any coach 
that was formerly a teacher has gone past the biggest hurdle and that's learning how to teach people, Mm, mm -hmm, how to mm -hmm. differentiate. Because I think a lot of coaches are very passionate about their their content and what they want to convey, but they don't know how to teach it. Right. Um, It's a skill. And, And I think those soft skills are the things that people don't realize have a lot of value. Right. When you are a good communicator, when you're good at conflict resolution, when you are good at breaking down complex topics and making them digestible and understandable, that shit is valuable. And you can turn that into a service-based business, but you got to get out of the little box that they've told you is the appropriate way to package your skills and start imagining a different version. Absolutely. Oh, preach. God, you're right. We could talk (laughs) about this forever, but we can't. Um, But I want to know where people can can continue hearing from you other than your podcast. People can work with you. Tell me a little Mm -hmm. about, about your coaching program. Yes. So I have a couple of different ways that folks can work with me. Like I mentioned, my sweet spot is folks who are aspiring service-based, you know, want to be entrepreneurs or folks who've even established a business, but they're looking to grow their social media following their income. They want to launch something, you know, so it's everybody who's like thinking about how can I do this whole money thing without like the nine to five around my neck. Yeah. Um, And so I have programs on how to create digital businesses, how to create passive income, how to start a blog. Um, I do one-on-one coaching for some private clients. If you have a specific like goal, let's say as a business owner that you want like three months of support to launch, like one example, I helped one of my clients like launch her first course, right? She's like, I want to make 10K with this course. I don't know what I'm doing. Let's do it. And we actually got her to that goal in three months, which was incredible. Um, So yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can work with me. And the best place to go is yoquierodineropodcast.com. And I'm all over socials, primarily Instagram, but I'm everywhere from TikTok to Pinterest to YouTube to everywhere in between. So whatever your flavor of social media is, you can find me there too. Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. It's uh, you. First off, your social is fantastic. Um, <laughs> you practice what you preach, which is great. You're really, really. I, I'm always like, oh, a new reel. Ooh, what's she <laughs> saying now? Oh, what's happening? The, you, your the algorithm loves me. So, <laughs> so I interact with your content, and so that's why it's just like I love that. Morning. So it works. Everyone is my point. It absolutely <laughs> works. Don't think you're going to put a post and be like, okay. Come yeah. on in, everybody. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Where's all the money? Is it flooding in? Oh, it's not. No, it's a little thing called strategy. You got to put in there. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, very good. Well, I love that. And um, you've given us so many words of wisdom. The last question I have before we get carried away is what's your response to someone who says, oh, there's there's so many people that already have, that already do that. Like they already, there are already enough food blogs. There are already enough, oh, you know, God. Like that, that question of like, oh, I can't do it because so many, I can't tell you how many like female run communities there are. There's tons. I'm in a few, yeah. but yeah. I still launched bra. Yeah. Okay. So first and foremost, when you say that to me, I'm going to throw my phone across the room and probably like just <laughs> have a rage fit because it just boggles my mind that that's where people's mind goes. But, you know, um, it's one of many limiting beliefs that people will subscribe to that they can use as a justification to just shut the dream down before it even begins. Right. Yeah. And I like to ask people, have you ever walked into a college 
asked about their degree program and asked them if they have a quota on how many people can get this specific degree, because at some point there will be too many people with an accounting degree or an engineering degree or a science degree. Like that's not a real thing. This idea of market saturation is complete bullshit. There is no quota on how many types of businesses can exist. And what folks fail to understand is that what people buy into is not the thing that you're selling. It's who's selling the thing. It's the story behind the brand. There are 17,000 makeup brands, but there's one that you love. Mm -hmm. There's one that complements your skin perfectly. There's one that is vegan and cruelty-free. There's one that is, you know, color shifting based on your body temperature. Like there's so many different things that you can do to make your thing a little different. And it starts with reclaiming your story. What is it that you are trying to convey? Who are you trying to help? What's your personal connection to the story, to the brand? And go from there, because that's the one thing that cannot be replicated, right? You are one of one. Your story is your story. And you can be a coach, but nobody's going to coach like you. Yeah, You can be a uh, you know, clothing designer, but your clothes is going to fit a little different than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So it's just like getting out of this idea that you're in competition with anybody because literally you're not. And really honing in on the fact that you are you, nobody can replicate that. And who is meant to be your customer is not going to have to be convinced. They're going to know because they see themselves in you. And that helps you show up hella confident in a way that like, you know, no other mindset work can do in my opinion. I completely agree. Um, my example, when I hear that is the white t-shirt, I can go to target (laughs) and buy a white t-shirt. I can go to the gap and buy a white t-shirt. I can go to Neiman Marcus and buy a white t-shirt. Yeah. They never, there's always white t-shirts. Um, I can spend $8 or I can spend $80. (laughs) There are people that will do that. So, um, I completely agree with you. Market saturation. I also believe is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, you see how fast our population is growing. I mean, come on. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so, so helpful and so much great information. If you're driving right now, listening to this podcast, make sure you park before you subscribe to any of the links in the show notes. But before we wrap up, We've got to get carried away. Um, now, during the pandemic, what was something you got carried away about? Was it watching Netflix? Were you one of those people that baked? What kept yourself busy and kind of like head on straight? Ooh, that was Zumba classes. Ooh. So I'm actually a Zumba instructor on top of everything that I do just because it's fun. But (laughs) for me, it was actually the first time I was able to access Zumba classes online because that was not a thing. That's something that they literally did to adapt to the business given the environment. And so that was interesting to watch. It's just like, oh shit, like the art of pivoting is real and Mm -hmm. we must always be limber and able to do that as a business. And so I was obsessively doing Zumba and it was great for my mental health and also my physical health. Yeah. So you didn't <laughs> gain that COVID-15. Oh, no, huh? girl, I still did. Please. Okay. I, w- I would be having a glass of wine right after class, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me go right to the refrigerator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I love Zumba. Um, I do something similar called Plyo Jam, which is like jump training and, and body Ooh, rolls. Love that. And I do feel like JLo when I'm doing it. And I just can't believe yes. she hasn't called me yet to be a backup dancer. <laughs> I'm still available, JLo. It's fine. Us, us both. Yes, right. We're waiting. 
Yes. Um, my last question is always the opposite is uh, what's something that people are obsessed about that you can't stand? Uh, for example, I don't like bell peppers. Yo, that trend on TikTok with people putting cream cheese inside the bell peppers. I'm like, this sounds disgusting. First of all, so stop gross. it. Okay. Let's stop trying to make this a thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I I'm over and I don't know if it's still like people are obsessed with it, but I feel like it's thrown in my face like keto. Like I'm over oh, keto. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm a Latina. Like I refuse to give up carbs. Okay. Rice is in like an entire food group in my yeah. culture. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to be giving up freaking carbs to look a certain way. Like you're going to get all of this ass and I'm going <laughs> to eat all of these carbs and that's it. <laughs> Nobody's ever said keto. <laughs> It's got to go. It's trash. It's, it's, it's not healthy from every. I don't want to eat a cauliflower fucking pizza crust. I want the real pizza crust. It's food. Pretending it's trying to be other food. This is not I cheese. Can't. This I can't. I can't. Vegan cheese? That's just be no. vegan. Just be, just Let's be just be vegan. I saw yes. a vegan carrot hot dog the other day. I'm just like, <laughs> we need to stop trying to stretch what just doesn't need to be stretched. Just eat, just the, eat carrot. the carrot. <laughs> stop it. I agree. I don't, I, I'm not kidding you. Went to a dinner party and it was lovely, beautiful, wonderful, beautiful spread. And they said it was sushi. And then when they got there, I was like, oh, it's vegan sushi. And I was like, what, what the hell is vegan sushi? It's it rice shockingly with vegetables, good, but it's rice and carrots and cucumbers and avocado. And they pickled some tomatoes to look like tuna, but it was still a ruse. And I was like, this, okay. <laughs> it's not sushi. We, we gotta go there. There's more <laughs> like, we need to be using human brain power on more complex, important topics than like trying to figure out how to eat unhealthy food and calling it something. Cause that's yes. what it is. Mm -hmm. And veto cannot be sustained. Anybody I know that's done keto can't, isn't no. drops 30 pounds and then is cranky for like three yeah, months. And then you have heart disease. Yes. And then develops <laughs> You're eating bacon all day. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Janice. Thank you so, so much. Um, any final words, anything, any other things my audience can hear, get in touch with you, be in your stratosphere of awesomeness. Let us know. I just want to say, first off, thank you to the algorithm for introducing us. It's incredible what happens when you just show up. And I think that's the message I want folks to know. I could not have imagined that this would be my life talking to you, being at your conference, like getting to talk to people about money, getting to live my dreams. And it's all because I just decided to show up and say, you know, let me figure out what I can invite and add into this space. And so if you're thinking about starting your own business, a side hustle, you just know that you're meant for more. Like the first thing you need to do is give yourself permission to show up. And you'd be surprised like what you can create when you make that decision. Oh, wonderful final words. Thank you so much. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. You can also learn more about Janice from her website, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com. And uh, if you'd like to actually see some of her magic at work, you can buy the download of the Wealthy Women's Summit and get a little amuse-bouche of her fabulous knowledge. Um, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with your best friend, um, your kid's teacher. You know they need to hear it. They want to be an entrepreneur. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. <laughs> Thank you.